0: when Money does start right now. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Dan Nathan coming up on Fast. More room to run. Morgan Stanley's chief equity strategist says this rally is just getting started. Mike Wilson will join us straight ahead. Plus, Peloton peddling to a new all-time high, but is the stock's red-hot run about to face an uphill climb? And later, Guy is introducing his Windicator. why well, He says take a look at this stock if you want to know where the market is headed next we start off with another record close for the Nasdaq, led by, you guessed it, Big Tech, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, all hitting record highs today. And here's an incredible stat. The five biggest companies in the S&P 500 now account for nearly a quarter of the index's total market capitalization. So how long can the leadership of these names last? And Tim, haters going to hate, but here we are at record levels. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And if you look at the the Nasdaq 100 has outperformed the S&P by by 20 percent year to date, but by 13 percent since those March 18th lows. So we you know, we talked about Amazon and and a couple, maybe even Facebook were somewhat defensive here for for real reasons related to their core business. But some of the others um, have just been defensive because of the balance sheets, because of the size of the business uh, and because these are companies that, you know, are going to be here tomorrow and have proven to be reasonably profitable. So um, that that's really the story. But it, it is important that. PMI's around the world over the last 24 hours were, were quite good. Um, you actually had a major recovery across Europe, and I think people are starting to see data points that matter. Um, all that really matters is the Federal Reserve uh, and that suddenly investors don't seem to care about earnings in 2020 or 2021. And when you base on 2022, uh, you can start to get a normalized profile, but it's a long time to wait.
0: Yeah, and Karen, that's what you've always said. You know, you've got to follow the Fed when it comes to this market.
2: Right. And I don't see that changing at all. And, you know, Tim talked about Europe. I mean, they're they're you know, have their own mini Fed going on, taking their buying program up to one point three five trillion. So I think that, I mean, you know, when you look, I look at these FANG stocks, I own a bunch of them. They are getting expensive. I don't have an alternative, though. That's the thing. Right. What else are you going to do with the money? And sort of the mandate is to be long, but they're not cheap, but they're not crazy expensive either. I mean, Netflix, I put in its own category and it has its own balance sheet. But Tim said, you know, the Facebook, the Alphabets, the Microsoft, the balance sheets are fantastic and the growth is there. So hanging on to him.
0: So when I said haters going to hate at the top of the show, Dan is laughing because he knows Uh I'm talking about him. (laughs) We're talking about Dan (laughs) and and Guy. I mean, throw Guy into that camp, too. But, Dan, go go ahead. Why why should you hate this rally still? Haven't we proven ourselves here? As Timon mentioned, economic data around the world is improving. We're reopening here in the United States. We we seem to be inured to the wave of new cases. 5,000 new cases in Texas, by the way, a record high.
3: Right. Well, I, I mean, isn't that kind of the point? Every bear is kind of thrown in the towel. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm just far less bearish. The day that the uh, Fed came in, when there was really no good reason to do so, but they said they were going to buy individual corporate bonds. They've made it very clear. Uh, you know, Karen and Tim just talked about it. They're going to do whatever it takes. Karen just said she has no alternative. So where is she going to go? She's going to continue to pile into the things that are be, the, you know, the perceived winners of the pandemic, which is a really sad expression to say. But when you think about it, what did the pandemic do? It, it accelerated all these tech trends that we've already had. I guess the risk that I see right now as it relates to the stock market with this, we have a mega cap Mania here right and then we have a on the other side of this as far as technology is concerned We have a bit of a bubble in some one-trick pony sort of situations like if you want to call a zoom that or whatever Where you're seeing the adoption of their products in a massive massive scale and talk about earnings You know Karen just said they're starting to to, to basically value the stock market on 2022 earnings getting back to the 2019 peak well think about all the business that a lot of these companies have actually pulled forward on the bubble side, not the mania side. So the way I see it is, is that, you know, um, this is gonna continue to be the trade until it's not. But I want to make one really important point. You know, we know mega cap tech has been this massive deflationary force. We have interest rates that are going to stay to zero. At some point, there's got to be some sort of correction that's going to be very, very uncomfortable. Because if you think about who is the market share that Zoom and Slack, they're taking away from the hospitality sector, from the transportation sector. You know, I mean, all this stuff in the entertainment world. Spotify rallied 30 percent in a week. Why? It's taking away from Broadway, from everything sports, everything that you would have done otherwise. So at some point, there has to be a bit of a reckoning for this sentiment.
0: If there is a reckoning, I mean, I, I want to get to Guy, but, but on the point of bubbles, I mean, bubbles are only a problem if it poses some sort of systemic risk to the market. I mean, I don't care about an individual bubble in a name like Zoom. And if Zoom pops and goes down, uh, isn't I mean, presumably it's because the other parts of the economy have actually picked up, and so there is a reopening trade, right? So people are off of Zoom, and they're going to sports events and concerts and shopping and all that stuff.
3: Not exactly. I mean, when you think when you have pockets within the stock market that are very um, susceptible to valuation shocks. There's a lot of negative things that could happen, Mel, once those stocks start careening. That's what the 2000 um, Nasdaq bubble pop told us. I mean, that put technology in a recession and it put in a recession for years. So, I mean, I, I think it's very easy to be cavalier about this sort of thing. Oh, Zoom's only a $60 billion company trading at 40 times sales. That's kind of abnormal. I just heard Howard Marks from Oaktree on the closing bell say, OK, the S&P 500 trading at 20 times. It's far less than the 30 times it was trading at 20 years ago in the NASDAQ bubble. But there are plenty of bubbles within this stock market mania.
0: Last but not least, Mr. Adami. Hi.
4: Hi, Mel. So it's funny. My my telephone, my Apple device has been blowing up. Somebody, a bunch of people texted me. They said, Tim looks like he just got off the set of the Lords of Flatbush with all the stuff in his hair. I don't (laughs) see it. I'm sure Tim looks great. I'm just saying, hey, look, and there's it, that it, other saying, Guy, if I didn't have this stuff in my hair, my hair would be taking up the
1: entire screen. Well, if I didn't have this stuff in my hair, the, the hair would be taking up the entire screen. It looks screen, like he's so like two inches two weeks taller weeks because haircut. of the hair. I'm not
5: only the heckler president, I'm Cut. also a client. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Hold on. Hold wow. On. Nice right, back job. Off, everybody. Clips. Back off.
0: Yeah, that's one inch. That's better. Go ahead, Guy.
4: Uh, sorry about that. And there's that saying that I learned when I was younger, many years ago, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. And that's sort of where we are right now in terms of this rallying. And I'll give you an example where there are bubbles. Apple, I think, just to name a stock, I think it's in close to 300 different ETFs. So you're talking about a stock that just gets dragged higher a lot of times on the back of all this uh, passive money investing that's flowing into these names to me. That's somewhat problematic. Now, what we have said, and again, I'm not some raging Apple bull, never been, been right, been wrong. But we said a few weeks ago when the stock started to break out, it's like, look, the run probably has some more room in it because volume-wise, you weren't seeing huge volume in the name. Matter of fact, it was trading up on sort of mediocre volume at best. Today was the first day in a while that I've seen Apple, for example, trade north of average volume. I think average volume in Apple has been 39 million shares. It traded 52 million today. That's something you should watch for sure. So, yeah, it's not necessarily that there are bubbles in in the historic sense of the word, but I'll tell you, there's a bubble in complacency, and there's a bubble in the fact that everybody seems to think this market is impervious. They've been right. Last night, by the way, is a great example of, you know, one slip of the tongue, and the S&P's down 40 handles. Now, obviously, Mr. Navarro walked a lot of that back, but... Go back and listen to what he said. Really listen to what he said. And I think there's a lot of truth to this U.S.-China situation getting worse before it gets better.
0: All right. Well, our next guest says Tech's record rally has more to r- uh, run. Let's bring in Mike Wilson, chief U.S. equity strategist at Morgan Stanley. Mike, great to have you with us.
5: Thanks, Melissa. Good
0: um Our panel splits down the middle in terms of uh, being on board with this rally and, and not being on board. So what do you see bringing us higher at this point?
5: Yeah, look, I mean, I think, uh, obviously, tech was the leader today. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was the, you know, the big cyclical bet. You know, are we going to make this big rotation to value or not? And I guess what I see is that we're getting tremendous breath uh, in the marketplace. Um, you know, a lot of folks, uh, most people like to kind of quote returns year to date. But, you know, since we went into a recession, I think you have to kind of restart the clock. That's that's what I look at for leadership. So what's been leading since the market lows on March 23rd, that was the recession low. And since that low, um, the order of outperformance is energy, consumer discretionary, then tech, materials, and industrials. And at the bottom of the barrel, it's staples. Hi, and builds. It's Peck, so it's 42. basically a cyclical over defensive trade. And that's a very bullish signal. It's basically saying that we're in a new economic cycle. We're in a new bull market. And it's broad. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a constructive development.
0: Is there anything wrong um, w- with the way the market's structured in that five of the companies, five tech companies make up about a quarter of the market cap of the S&P 500? Because when you say it's broad, you're talking about the gains and not the weightings in the market. But structurally, is, should that be a concern? Guy was mentioning, um, you know, a lot of these big stocks are in a lot of different ETFs. And so they get dragged up. And then, you know, if we see any sort of dash for the exits, it's going to exacerbate that on the way down.
5: Yeah. Look, I mean, i will first one to admit that I'm surprised that that group of stocks is actually, you know, holding up as well as it is. Because usually, when you get a new cycle, um, the former leaders tend to shrink in their contribution. But they're they're holding on to that. They're not outperforming so much, but they're keeping their their own, their the size of the market that they've had, and that's unusual. So I, I'm kind of in Dan's camp where I do think there's been some excess. Uh, in spending in the tech space. I don't think it's as bad as it was in the late 90s, but it's the same idea. There's been a little bit of, a, of an excess in CapEx in that area, and there's probably been a pull forward of demand, quite frankly, because those companies were the winners in the lockdown. And I think we'll figure that out later this year. Um, that will actually provide some of the fuel to uh, see some of the laggard groups continue to do better. So I don't think it's so much that tech has to go down. It's that it's unlikely that that group is going to be the traditional cyclical outperformer has been because it never really had its cyclical downturn. It's, it's been a beneficiary of the late cycle, and it's been a beneficiary of the early cycle because of the nature of this recession. And that's unusual, and there will be payback in, in my view.
0: You say the biggest risk to the market right now is, is fiscal stimulus not coming through. That implies that fiscal stimulus is priced in. So what sort of fiscal stimulus do we need to see in order for this market to continue its trajectory?
5: Well, that's right. I, I mean, I think a lot of folks are focused on the election now. Obviously, the virus still. Maybe this trade situation, which you know, as Guy pointed out, kind of you know caused a wobble last night. But for me, it's it's all about the extension of this fiscal package. If we don't get at least a trillion dollars, which really means extending the PPP and the unemployment benefits through year end, you can forget about this rally altogether. I mean, you're going to probably have a double dip in the economy. Now, we think it will pass. Okay. So that's our base case, but there's you know there's always a risk that we snatch uh, uh, defeat from uh, or from, the, from the jaws of victory and and Congress is good at that. so I think that that's the risk that we got to focus on, and if we get that, we could be you know there's a chance we get surprised on the upside that we actually get more than what we're expecting, which is about a trillion dollars. Um, these numbers are just gargantuan by the way we say a trillion dollars sort of cavalierly, but but that's what we're getting, we think, and that will be enough to, to take the next leg of the bull market.
0: Mike, great to speak with you as always.
5: Thanks, Melissa. Mike
0: Wilson, Morgan Stanley. Uh, Tim Seymour, it sounds like we could be setting up for a major rotation if what Mike says actually comes to fruition.
1: Yeah. I mean, we and we've had those rotation periods. I I, I do think there have been moments in the last three months and even before we went into COVID-19 where we did see banks leading, where we did see uh, essentially industrials that were bombed out, the value over growth trade and then growth over value. Uh, A month and a half ago on the show, we were talking about the other trade. Right. So um, I I think it's going to be very difficult to dethrone those five companies in the short to medium term. And I think as long as the liquidity is in the markets, it's going to be very difficult to not own those five names for people that are not in those Names and I think they could bid them higher. All right, well,
0: let's move on. Your tech stocks not the only big winners in this market. Check out shares of Halliburton, Boeing, Lowe's, Chipotle, all up triple digits from their March lows. So of course we thought this would be a perfect time to play a little.
6: Trade it on.
0: Yep, that's right. Trade it or fade it. The game you hate to love, love to hate, whatever it is. Let's kick things off here with Chipotle. <laughs> it is up 150% from its March bottom. Um, guy, I know you're a Qdoba kind of guy, but trade it or fade it.
4: I am a Qdoba person. I like the CMG. They actually serve alcoholic beverages, if, you, if you're familiar with it. So I think that's a plus. I'm also pretty sure that McDonald's ruse the day that they sort of spun that out but that's that's really neither here nor there mel i would say ready trade it and i'm playing the game properly A number of reasons why not least of which i mean this was a company that was really in bad shape they completely turn it around in twenty years from now in that harvard business review that you went to that school they'll write about the turnaround story of cmg the fact that it's been trading at these levels for the last month or so uh, is a perfect reason for me to say the market doesn't give you that high, long a time to sell the highs, which in my world means it's going higher. Despite valuation, they seem to have the continued growth and continued t- customer traffic to support it, trade it. But But... But,
1: but valuation, my very short-haired friend, guy, is one of the reasons why you don't want to own this stock. And you know, while while CEO Nickel's done a fantastic job with their digital business and their loyalty programs, you can't have it both ways. How is their business stronger on the back of COVID-19? And that's effectively what we priced into this stock, even though they have been a market share taker. And certainly, those programs are important. I will be fading this stock. All right, let's move on to Lowe's here, also up more than double from its March lows. Um,
0: Dan Nathan, trade it or fade it?
3: I think you fade this one here, Mel. I mean, this stock sold off from 125 down to about 60 bucks in about a month, and now it's up 110 or 20 percent or so. I mean, Oops. here's one where this is a company whose business was not particularly adversely affected by um, by the pandemic. I mean, they weren't shut down. Um, their earnings and sales uh, year over year are supposed to be. Down, you know, not too bad from the 2019 levels, and it trades at a pretty reasonable valuation, about 19 times. My only issue is if you look at like a five or six year chart, the, the price action in just the last four months really encapsulates the the, the the slow, steady grind higher over that time period. I would say if you draw a trend line from the 2015 lows and you match it to each of the top, it's getting pretty well extended. So I'd expect a pullback here, and that's when you reload on a name like this. this a stock that you probably never sell unless amazon figures out how to displace the home improvement sector
2: can can i just disagree with dan for a second
1: always every (laughs) day all the time fade it
2: always all right i'm going to take the other side i'm going to trade it so i agree with some of the points that he made like you know this is not a bad space to be in during covid uh, but I look at it a little bit differently. I look at it a bit before any of this happened. They were just at the beginning of a turnaround, right? So Marvin Ellison came in and he's been making very significant changes. And if I look at the margins that Home Depot has, right, nine and change percent versus where Lowe's is, six and change percent, maybe they don't get to where Home Depot is, but if they can make half the difference up, right, that, that would be... Very, very good. I think for low stock, and so I also continue to think that even if we find a cure, even if that, that um, you know people are out and about again and not as home as much, they're still going to be home a lot. And I think the work from home is going to be helping them. Also, we're coming into the time of year people really want to spend uh, on their homes and, and do projects and gardening and barbecue and all that kind of stuff. So the seasonality of it. But I really think. Even outside of COVID, it was one to own going into it because I really think Ellison's turnaround is working and will continue to work.
0: All right. Next up, Halliburton. It's up a whopping 200 percent from March lows, though still well off its 52 week high. So, Tim, trade it or fade it.
1: Yeah, I traded. Uh, I, I know it's difficult times in the sector and the entire oil services space, but these guys are free cash flow positive. They have downshifted on Apex. They have technology offerings that will help them in a difficult and keep them a leader. This is a stock that will go higher.
3: Yeah. So, you know, Tim, I'm going to fade this one here. I mean, obviously, the, the, this was a company. The drillers were having a tough they were having a very tough time you know, prior to the pandemic. I just think you have to look at the XLE here. It's kind of rolling over. Crude oil filled in that gap. The PMIs that you referenced before, good in Europe, um, you know, good relative to expectations. Here, they were a little worse than expectations. I think you're going to start seeing the V portion turn into a little bit of a W as a global um, recovery here. And I think names like Halliburton are going to be very susceptible to a um, you know, kind of second wave of selling.
0: All right. Last but not least, Boeing also have triple digits. So, Karen, what do you say? Trade it or fade it?
2: You know, uh, I'd be more inclined to fade it because um, obviously, you know, the, the effect on the airlines and therefore the effect on Boeing is enormous. They obviously came into this with plenty of troubles of their own before that. And I know that the stock has rallied not as sharply as some, but... What the rally in the stock doesn't take into account is how much additional debt there is on Boeing now, right? That adds to the enterprise value. It should affect valuation. So since I'm the lukewarm at best, best, best on the airlines, I can't help but be meh, as you would say, on Boeing. So I'm a fade it.
4: I, I pronounce it mech, as, as you know, number one. One of my favorite <laughs> moments in the history of the 37 years of fast money is when Karen said, I would agree with Dan, but then we'd both be wrong. I think that's just genius, number two. And number three, uh, I'm I'm with Karen on this one. I think you're going to get a shot to buy this probably in the mid-160s. Let's call it 165. And lastly, my bonus point, how come everybody else got the little buzzers or ding? I didn't get my uh, my requisite ding ding when I said trade Chipotle and that upsets me.
0: Yeah. You did. You did you got it it before you even said trade it. We're so inside your mind. We knew what was coming out of your lips. All right. Well played, guys! <laughs> <laughs> you all follow the rules. Still ahead on Fast Money: Biotech breaking out today. The double dose of vaccine headlines that sent the sector to record highs. And later, Guy unveils his Windicator, why he says to look to this stock if you want to know where the market is headed next. All that and more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. New updates on the race to develop a coronavirus vaccine as cases surge in several states. Meg Terrell joins us with the very latest. Hey, Meg.
6: Hey, Melissa, well, Sanofi providing an update on its plans today, uh, saying now that its program in partnership with GlaxoSmithKline could be in human clinical trials in September and potentially in a larger phase three efficacy study by the end of the year or early 2021. Now, that's still a few months behind where other companies are, but Sanofi's CEO pointing out that their technology is one of the only ones that's proven in an approved vaccine already. They have a flu vaccine based on this technology. Separately, they also have a partnership with Translate Bio, and you can see that stocks up 47% today on an expanded partnership. They're going to work together on other vaccines, too, not just the COVID vaccine, and that's an mRNA platform similar to Moderna's, and that's a little bit further behind the GlaxoSmithKline Sanofi vaccine. So Sanofi, they're having two different COVID uh, tracks ongoing. Meanwhile, the first efficacy trials in the United States, those 30,000-person trials, expected to start in July from Moderna and Pfizer. AstraZeneca close on their heels potentially starting July or August with their trial Johnson & Johnson expected in September and then of course as we mentioned GSK Sanofi at the end of the year. So these big companies now all gearing up to start these large scale efficacy studies within weeks. So
0: what is the earliest projection by a company Meg for a vaccine hitting the market or, or getting FDA approval.
6: Well, we've seen from some companies like AstraZeneca that they think they could deliver this vaccine by October if things go well. Pfizer has made similar projections, but today, Dr. Fauci was testifying on the Hill. He reiterated the end of 2020, early 2021 timeline for the earliest these vaccines could be ready. It's all going to depend upon the rate of infection uh, in these large-scale efficacy trials, because the more infection there is, the faster they will prove that they work. All
0: right. Meg, thank you. Meg Terrell keeping uh, keeping all straight for us by the way the IBB Nasdaq biotech ETF hitting a brand new high today so let's trade this one guy what do you say
4: yeah and this is as often as I'm wrong which is quite often if you watch the show one of the things we've gotten right collectively is this IBB and it is absolutely breaking out to the upside and I think it will continue however and this is not me talking out of both sides of my mouth if you want the real indicator As to the the real breakout, it comes in the form of Amgen. And if you look, Amgen made an all-time high of 244.99 mid-December, pulled back, obviously, with everything else. And now here we are at 238. You get a close above 245 in Amgen, uh, and they report, I think, on July 20th, and it's off to the races. So absolutely like IBB, if you want to get granular, keep an eye on Amgen. Tim?
1: Yeah, we talked about also that the vaccine is not necessarily a a boom for for any of these players. We certainly talked about in the context of Gilead. Um, I think the reason the IBB, I would argue this is a five-year breakout. Um, and, and, you know, where we bought them somewhere around 80 and now up in the 240s. I mean, you have a case where uh, you've got fantastic balance sheets, you've got optionality, and and you have a handful of companies that I I do think have M&A as a potential tailwind, although, you know, there are some that people look at as a headwind. But uh, I think you stay there with the kind of liquidity we have out there. People have been playing big biotech over big pharma. That trade continues to work. All right,
0: coming up. The fake food fight, what Starbucks just did that sent shares of Beyond Meat tumbling today. But first, Guy is unveiling his Windicator. That's a hint. He says look to this stock if you want to know where the market is headed from here. He will explain when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Wondering where we may be headed next? Well, Guy says there is one stock that could be a good Windication Guy, what is it?
4: I, I, you know, our crack staff back in E.C., that <laughs> stands for Englewood Cliffs, came up with it's genius, by the way. It's brilliant. And you know what? It's the Windicator because it's wind resorts. Now, as I've mentioned many times, there's a bit of rain men in me. And March 18th, I believe, was a Wednesday, And I recall both Tim and I were on that night with Brian Sullivan hosting, and it was a pretty miserable day in the broader market. But we said, when Brian, you know what? Little green shoots here wind traded down to i think thirty five or so closed around forty three you could take some solace from that and on march uh... twentieth which was obviously friday we said the same thing look at win in relation to the broader market well my point there and i'm making it because win led the broader market by about a week week and a half in terms of bottoming out and turning then we went on to say as the stock continued to go higher was this stock and tim says this all the time Less bad news is when you buy these things. It's getting less bad, which is means the stock's going to rally more, and that's what happened. We actually said that you get a decent tape. This is a hundred dollar name. Now, why do I mention it? Because go back about a week and a half or so, Win topped out at 109. Look at it today; it's 84. So I'm coming to the conclusion, just the way Win let us out in mid March, Win might be trying to tell us something now. I'm not suggesting to buy or sell Win. I'm just looking at wind as a potential indicator, and quite frankly, it's worked before. Why shouldn't it work again, Melissa? Back to you.
0: If you could tell me the temperature on March 18th, then I would believe your Rainman comment.
4: <laughs> I believe the temperature was 47 degrees Fahrenheit I, at the okay. time of the show.
0: All right. All right, so if you buy guys a no Windicator... Way. You're probably asking, "Where's wind headed from here?" Right, legitimate question. Let's go off the chart to Todd Gordon of Ascent Wealth Partners. Todd, where do you see wind going?
7: Hey guys, um, so as Guy mentioned, there's definitely a bullish development. If you look at the long-term chart of wind, there was a pair of 80% declines into Guy's 47 degree day. Um, it held support. It rallied. It's it's encouraging. But it's got a lot of wood to chop up around the 105 generally. Guys said 109. So 105 has got a lot to prove. But from a fundamental point of view, uh, we just don't see it. Uh, I don't think it's kind of helpful as a reopening economy stock. It's very susceptible to U.S.-China relationships. Casino stocks like Wynn are heavily uh, influenced by the Chinese government. Um, There's a report that came out that gambling in Macau, I think, is seven times larger than Vegas. Two of the properties, uh, two of Wynn's are Vegas. Three are Macau. So I don't know. I just got a lot of debt. Uh, it's going to make it vulnerable. Then, of course, its revenue would be susceptible to sort of looser regulations uh, for online gambling. I-, I think it's got something to prove still.
0: All right. So um, so if you think, Todd, that guy's windicator is baloney, what do you see as the best indicator <laughs> like, in the market?
7: <laughs> I, see, I see something to prove. I wouldn't go. I call anything. The great guy dummy says is baloney. No, I uh, would. No. So <laughs> something to, uh, sorry. What was that? I would. Okay, <laughs> that's why you're the boss. Um, so XLK, you know, I, I I have to go with what's working. I love technology. You know, I think I think this economy and I think we as a civilization were on a set timeline to become more automated, and COVID just accelerated. I say stay with what's working. The tech names are going to reinvent the way that we just, we spend our discretionary dollars. I think it it was going to happen anyway. So. I like technology, I'm going to use it until it, it, it's not working. Our global growth portfolio uh, is, is, is uh, kind of focused on the technology and, and is reflecting it. So um, one thing that I would draw your attention to kind of pulling back from only technology is looking at the s spx rsp rsp is the equal weighted uh s p etf put out by invesco and what's interesting is a lot of people are saying the rally is getting very thin up here but if you look the rsp spx ratio has moved up sharply since may 10th and that's sort of indicating that we're getting a broad-based rally the rsp and the spx have gone into a little bit of consolidation right while the nasdaq has taken another leg higher so i think the rest of the market's kind of taking a breather, so I'm continuing um, to stay bullish. And if we can, if we have time, if you take back, take a big step back and look at all the rallies that have ensued since the credit crisis low of 89, I think it was like 82%, 87%, 64%. We've seen three pretty significant rallies. Guys, we're just 42% from those March lows. So you know I think we have more room to go. And if we're using history to predict what's gonna happen in the future, 64% rally, puts us at, like, 3,600 in the S&P. So uh, we're continuing to remain bullish.
0: All right. Todd, thanks. Good to speak with you. You you guys, too. Uh, Dan Nathan, I don't know if you have thoughts about the Windicator or if you've got your own.
3: You you know I have my own, Mel. I have the J.P. Morgan Decator, um, (laughs) ticker is JPM. That's how that one comes out there, guy. Uh, You know, listen, this is one where it's still down 30% from its highs. Yeah, it's up 30% from its lows. Um, You know, that is a relative underperformance there versus the the S&P versus the NASDAQ versus everything. And it just doesn't act well. And I think, you know, what the bank stocks, the money center banks in particular, are telling you is that we are going to see, you know, higher defaults, higher levels of bankruptcy. We're going to see possibly um, a commercial real estate crisis in the second half of this year, early next year. And and to me, I think the direction of the banks, you know, they've come in pretty hard. Guy nailed J.P. Morgan when it was 90 bucks. He says, go to 115. Well, it stopped on a dime at its 200-day moving average, and now is back below 100. So, to me, I just don't think you want to see this one breaking 90 anytime soon. It will not augur well, as Guy likes to say, for the broad market, in my opinion.
0: Karen, your thoughts on uh, the J.P. Morgan indicator,
1: <laughs> Morganator?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I'm long. I love J.P. Morgan. I love Jamie Dimon, but it doesn't. It doesn't act well. But and I've thought for a long time that. There is a disconnect between the broader market and um, the banks, the money center banks. And, you know, we'll get a lot more clarity on Thursday um, when we see the stress tests. And I don't believe that J.P. Morgan will cut their dividend.
0: And Tim, just quickly, you're looking at transports, the old uh, Dow theory.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important if you think about the transports. And so the uh, the 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 IYT as measuring the entire sector including the rails and FedEx as heavyweights um, basically double top back in 2018 a lot of this was trade war that's what we saw I think the peak of truly the economy uh, and and where we actually saw uh, economic growth that was becoming very well rounded and starting to thrust into high gear and then we lost it so I want to see the transports come back and at times in this point Dan's right to bring up the banks um, I think the transports are more important when talking about the breadth of the economy and yes Dow theory has proven to be important it's not the only rule uh, but transports have still lagged. We need to see transports catch up. All right.
0: Coming up, the surprising stock that has just zoomed past Zoom to claim the title of work from home winner. And later, the sobering new numbers on how much booze we are buying and drinking while, while lockdown, what it means for liquor makers. Fast money's back in two.
4: It's not healthy
1: to have people who are buying stocks for fun. And it reminds me of the people who were day trading in 1999 and declaring day trading, uh, you know, a can't-miss strategy.
0: That was legendary investor Howard Marks talking about the retail trading boom. And we're learning more about what the retail traders were trading today. Kate rudy has got all the details. Hey, Kate. Hey, Melissa. Surprisingly, it's not Zoom or Peloton. Fastly is now one of the best-performing stocks of the stay-at-home era, and it's a fan favorite among retail investors. Fastly shares hitting a 52-week high, up 4% on Tuesday, following last week's 36% surge. The stock has also spiked in popularity on trading app Robinhood. According to third-party aggregator Robin Track, the number of clients holding the stock on Robinhood increased by 18%. Fastly's technology is used by Shopify, Spotify, and Slack, which are all seeing usage soar while people work from home. Melissa? Interesting name. Kate, thanks. Kate Rooney. From one red-hot stay-at-home stock to another, Peloton, as Kate mentioned, (laughs) hitting records today after Cowan increased its price target to a new street high of $70 a share. The exercise bike maker has more than doubled this quarter. So can it keep um, pedaling higher? Dan, you have a Peloton Tread in in your background, in fact.
3: I do. I love it. I mean, listen, I had it before this thing. Obviously, if you're this fit, you need some tools, some pretty good tools to stay that way. And that's what I did pre-pandemic. I was kind of prescient, as some might say. I mean, listen, the whole panel, other than Tim, obviously doesn't work out. We all use these things. They're great devices, but they're expensive devices. (laughs) And, you know, the real opportunity, I think, here is as the digital strategy broadens out, it fits into a lot of themes that we were talking about and all these stock market manias that are going on right now. But it's just what, 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 what sort of technology can be spread out that's not dependent on hardware? Obviously, they are right now. But I think that the pandemic, if it taught us anything, is that cloud-based services like this that are highly repeatable are going to be very popular going forward.
0: Um, the, the one stat in this report that really jumped out at me is how engaged the subscriber base is. An average of 17.7 workouts per month. I mean, that's that's extraordinary guy and that just shows you that that people are not just this is not maybe not just a fad but the more you're engaged with this the more you're likely to hang on to this
4: 100 percent and we've talked about this stock for quite some time we've been bullish on this name and now you know the analyst community seems to be piggybacking uh the fast money show which is a smart thing to do I'm on that bike. I'll get on that sucker later tonight. I'm engaged. My man, Dennis Morton, I've been on, I've been on the same ride 10 times, one of his classic wait, wait. rock it, rides. I knew it. Go classic figure rock. that out. Is that a 30 so, yeah, or 45 minute? It's not just minute. a hardware company. People will say valuation is crazy. They're what?
0: Guy, can you hear me? I think Guy I lost his, lost his connection. Well, everybody but Guy can hear me. America can hear me, at least. Okay. Um, Karen, <laughs> what, what did you make of this note? I know you're on that bike yeah. every day pretty much, too.
2: I'm on the bike a lot. I, you know, I have more than one in the city, one here. I, I, think it's, I mean, it does capture you, right? But the question is for how long, right? what kind of churn that month. The bike itself is expensive, so it's a super, super expensive Razor. And then the blades are not cheap either. Um, I wonder, though, uh, I mean, at what point does valuation have to matter? And so I don't own the stock. I, I, I feel like this would be another one where I love the product, don't own the stock, and it you know, trades like Beyond Meat or something like that. But the product is great. I understand the ecosystem. That argument <coughs> makes sense to me. I just don't know what the right price to pay. And what happens when things open up in the summer and people are out more, and they're like, oh, you know what, maybe I... Won't use the bike as much. Maybe I'll leave it as sort of a hanger in my, for my clothes you know, in my bedroom and then forget that I have it, sort of. I don't know. We'll see the churn as it evolves. The fate
0: of many a Nordic track and Bowflex, I'm sure. All right, coming up, why options traders say it's a buyer's market for this hot housing play. We'll break down the action straight ahead. Plus, there's a new meatless sandwich on the market. Should you sink your teeth into this one or will it leave you feeling queasy? We got that trade when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. New home sales surging in May, climbing a better-than-expected 17%. That news giving the homebuilder ETF a nice boost, and options traders are betting on even bigger gains when one key name reports results tomorrow. Mike Coe has always got the action. Mike.
4: Hi, Melissa. Yeah, so we're taking a look at KB Homes today. This one traded more than two times its average daily call volume, and right now the options market is implying a move of about 7%. That's uh, considerably higher than the 4.5 percent or so that it has averaged over the last eight quarters. And most of that activity was concentrated in the July 35 calls. Those were trading for about $2. And buyers of those calls are betting that the stock is going to rise above that $35 strike price by at least the $2 in premium that they paid by July expiration, which is Friday the 17th. And one might assume with these bullish bets that they're targeting the February highs of around $40.
0: Tim, you got thoughts on housing?
1: Well, I tell you, if if you if you look at the move in the housing stocks on some level, they've also been uh, windicators of sorts. And if you think about the supply issues and the pent up demand, uh, the fact that they're meeting uh, where there is at least a demographic uh, kind of trend for 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 that demand, I should say. um, I think it goes higher. I I think valuations in a couple of the big boys. I like Pulte. Um, I think the growth prospects remain there. Uh, These stocks have had a big move. But I I think with rates where they are, uh, people are buying more house than they can afford.
0: Guy, you're you're you perked up when you heard Tim mention Windicator.
1: Like
0: no, no, you... I,
4: I just think we've we've yes, no, we've stumbled upon yet another fast, a great fast money gold. thing. The Windicator, I think it's here. <laughs> it's gold. What's that from? That's from that. Um, what's the name of that show? Dan knows that one. The well, Seinfeld, Jerry the Springer. Seinfeld. Jerry gold. Springer. <laughs> Jerry Springer. What's his name? Stay yeah. Gold, Pony. I gold. never saw it, by the way.
0: Nicely done, guys. Uh, Thanks, Mike, for that. (laughs) For more away, full show is Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, the meatless mania is heating up. Our Aditi Roy has her finger on the pulse and her hands on the newest sandwich,
8: (laughs) Aditi. Here it is. This is the Starbucks Impossible Breakfast Sandwich. And Impossible Foods believes this is the key to them winning breakfast over Beyond Meat. We'll show you the comparison coming up in a live report.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money. Big interview coming your way at the top of the hour. Jim Kramer sitting down with the CEO of Impossible Foods. So be sure to catch that exclusive interview tonight on Mad Money. Impossible, meantime, in the news today after Starbucks debuted its new Impossible breakfast sandwich. Let's get to Aditi Roy with all the juicy details. Aditi.
8: <laughs> Hi, Melissa. Impossible has nabbed a lot of big partnerships with restaurant chains, but this is the biggest one yet. By partnering with Starbucks, Impossible is tripling the number of eateries carrying its latest product, breakfast sausage. The Impossible breakfast sandwich will be available at 15,000 US Starbucks stores. Just last week, Burger King announced it's rolling out the Impossible croissant sandwich at its 7,500 U.S. stores. But Beyond Meat is a competitive rival. It brought its breakfast sausage to market before Impossible brought theirs. And the company's products are on breakfast menus at Dunkin' Donuts, Carl's Jr., Parties and Starbucks Canada. While Beyond shares are off 4% today and the regular session upon the impossible news, they're still going strong overall this quarter, up around 130%. Beyond CEO, Ethan Brown, had guided investors during the company's last earnings call that the rollout of its breakfast foods would be slowed down by the pandemic. The company has been more focused lately on expanding its grocery offerings for its part. Impossible Foods says it plans to expand its retail footprint by 20x by the end of the year. And today, Melissa, they are focusing on this sandwich rollout. Um, can you hold that up, Aditi? Because I've seen
0: pictures of this Impossible sandwich all day long mm-hmm. on Starbucks, and it looked absolutely delicious in the photos. And then when you picked that thing up, I thought, ugh, that looks terrible. Yeah. I mean, look, look at the comparison. <laughs> uh-huh. I, mean, you, I mean, you just can't. It doesn't even look edible compared to the I mean, the pictures it, look fantastic. Just uh-huh. magnificent.
8: It's so funny. It's, uh, I mean, there's a ciabatta roll, so that's different than the English muffin. I'm more of an English muffin fan. Um, This egg is fried as opposed to like that omelet uh, or scrambled egg kind of patty that they have. Um and yeah I mean it, it you know I don't I don't know necessarily if the traditional sausage sandwich if I just get it and you know don't dress it up and everything and show it to you I don't know if that's necessarily going to look more appealing is it um, good but uh if you want I can take a bite. Yeah yeah yeah. Let me find out, right? Yeah, this is let me know. Get, great in great there. Let know. So get in there. We all want to know. <laughs> I am getting
0: there. <laughs> such a good sport. Aditi's such a good sport.
8: <laughs> you know what? It is I because I like the traditional sausage sandwich, but they do a really good job of emulating this. I would almost say that the sausage is more similar to the traditional sausage than even the burger is. I think they do a really good job emulating the the sausage. It's good. I like
0: it. Thank you. Thank you for, for telling America <laughs> for what how it's, it's is. worth, <laughs> Didi Roy. Um, a guy, you know, <laughs> I, I thought of I thought of you because you you've had these sorts of products before, and this is a breakfast sandwich. So many Americans out there will be pairing up the sandwich um, with this alt meat uh, and coffee.
4: Yeah, but it's it's a lethal combination. Whoa. You know, it's it's interesting. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, you know, one thing we try to do here on Fast Money is be honest. And I'm honest to a fault. And what I'll tell you, and Dan Nathan knows, there's a Starbucks uh, on the corner of 43rd and Broadway. And when Dan's on the show, I will often bring him iced coffees. Mm-hmm. I mention that because there's no water closet in that Starbucks. And if they're going to implement this sandwich my suggestion would be to have facilities for the patrons, if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> got it. <laughs> Coming up, we've got some booze news for you. The sobering news Seth, about how much we are drinking during this pandemic. Much more of that straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got some booze news. Turns out Americans are drinking less. Yes, less during this pandemic. Check out the total alcohol sales this year versus last year. Researchers say while more Americans are buying alcohol to drink in home, it's not enough to offset lost sales at bars, restaurants and sporting venues. Um, Tim, you're a bar owner. What's your take on this story?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm bumming, I can tell you. And, and I'm not sure how they're going to come back, how voracious they will be. There will be some. Um, and I think some of the trends, if you look overall, what trends were like in beer and wine sales, uh, there was contraction. There's been global consolidation. Constellation reports next week. Uh, they have actually been showing margin progression. They've also uh, spun off a couple brands. And I think it's, it's probably the best of breed. Um, it's a name I'm long. And it's a name that I'll ride through. It's had a big rally off the bottom. But These are very interesting trends that are sorting themselves out. People are more health conscious. People are concerned about keeping their immunity system as high as possible. And and then I think at some point, people just don't go out, right? So when you're not going out, you're not consuming those unnecessary alcoholic beverages. Not that I've ever done that, but that's what's going on.
0: And we've never seen it
2: either. Uh, Time for the final trade. Let's go
0: around the horn, Karen.
2: (laughs) Yes, mine is IEV. This is a European ETF. And I feel like, you know, they've got their own Fed action with the $1.3 trillion from the ECB. So, IEV, I'm sorry, IEV, the Vanguard European ETF.
3: Yeah, so in March, crude oil broke down below 40 and it just absolutely cratered. Carter Braxton Worth thinks you sell oil. That means to me you sell the XLE here also.
1: Tim. Starbucks with or without the impossible. (laughs) Guy.
4: Chicken burrito, no beans, extra chicken, white rice, CMG.
0: Thanks for watching Fast. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.